0: I know that we have some classes going on. We have some marriage classes going on tonight. We also have a parenting class going on tonight, so I'm excited about that. What I want to share with you folks here that are in the, in the service is to consider that this Saturday, where you've got a special seminar, we've got a quite uh, a wonderful guest that's coming in, Dr. Michael Brown, is anybody familiar with Dr. Michael Brown? Anybody listened to his YouTubes? Well, go home and put on YouTube Dr. Michael Brown. He'll show up everywhere. He's, a, he's an apologist for the faith. He defends the faith. And uh, he's a strong uh, Pentecostal believer. He was a key leader in the Brownsville revivals in Florida a number of years ago. And uh, again, just a strong Pentecostal theologian who's gonna come on Saturday And uh, this is open to everybody and anybody that wants to come. You don't have to register. You just need to show up. It'll be here in the sanctuary. And the first session starts at 10 o'clock. It'll go to to noon. And the first session is on the biblical foundations for divine healing. He is a Messianic uh, Jewish believer that uh, trusts in Jesus as Messiah and uh, his doctorate is in Hebrew languages. He's written over 30 books, so he's gonna be bringing the aspect of healing and divine healing from a theological understanding to an empowering reality. Then we break for lunch, and then at two o'clock, from four o'clock is session two, with all your questions for divine healing. How many of you have some questions about healing? Like why this guy and not that guy, and, and so forth. What do I do in this situation? He'll be here to discuss and answer the questions, uh, and then we take a break for uh, dinner in the evening, and then at 7 o'clock Saturday night, he will be sharing a message entitled When the Holy Spirit Comes, and so he wants to pray for healing Saturday night. We're going to have our healing team here. We'll have healing lines, and he wants to release the ministry of the Holy Spirit into our lives and into uh, uh, this Community for healing. How many of you know we need a healing spirit and a strength of healing here? So that's Saturday. It's free. Come, uh, listen. Because it's free, that the, invest in this thing. Really consider coming here and listening to this man of God. And then on Sunday, he is going to be speaking at both our service, nine o'clock and eleven thirty, and he's going to be speaking on his new and latest book, which is Playing with Holy Fire. Um, You remember about a year and a half ago, um, uh, the Reformed group and John MacArthur uh, put out a book called Strange Fire and had Strange Fire conferences speaking against the move of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Dr. Brown uh, countered that with a book and, and a biblical study on the gifts of the Spirit. But he is also speaking to the church, and he will on Sunday to this church, about playing with holy fire that that we need to be careful with our pentecostal gifts because how many of you know there's a lot of goofiness out there and a lot of weirdness that is not biblical Uh, so we can have the full benefits of the holy spirit and the outpouring of god's spirit with fire and power but let's let's have a biblically balanced outpouring of the holy spirit so i hope that you're going to take advantage of this and uh consider being here saturday and sunday for this great topic it's it's a privilege to have someone of this caliber an internationally known speaker with us on saturday and sunday all right let's go to the word of god tonight i want to speak to you i believe god has a word for us and then we need to spend some time at the altar of the lord for that word God's been speaking to my heart uh, all day about this, and I want to share it with you. A convenient sacrifice. Bringing a convenient sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, Interesting play on words, isn't it? How many of you can imagine a sacrifice being convenient? Right? Sacrifices are inconvenient. the, The definition of a sacrifice, first of all, is that it's not going to appeal to you as being convenient for you to come so if you could turn this down just a hair do you know what a do you know what a sacrifice is describe for me the end result of a sacrifice for that thing that's being sacrificed yeah. death. death dead how convenient is that <laughs> it's not too convenient to die right And so, convenient sacrifice, there's a problem in the church, and there's been a problem in the church, and there's a problem with the Western Christianity, and it's saturated into my heart, it's into your heart, it's in our lives, and that is, we're going to give to God what's convenient for us. We give to God what we think is, is our best. But what God wants out of a sacrifice is our death, and that is never convenient, For my timeline, I've got to be somewhere. He wants all of me. He wants my whole heart. And that's not convenient because my heart is going out in a lot of different directions. My activities, my money, right? My my possessions. They're all to be a sacrifice unto God. And that's not very convenient for me because I worked hard for them. And I need them for my comfort. And I mean, come on, don't we understand that God is here to please us? Isn't he? You're supposed to have a blessed life, a prosperous life. And everything that God does is really for your benefit, because he's a good God. And that's what we sing about and we rejoice about, but what if we made him? A convenience God. And you can't put sacrifice with convenience at all, but that's what we've done in the church. And I want to look at some scriptures tonight, simply talk about these scriptures that helps us understand that sacrifice is never convenient. And let's ask Jesus how convenient it was for him to go to the cross. There's only one sacrifice that has ever pleased the holiness of God. Would you know what that would be? Jesus Christ. The logos of God, the mind of God, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. How convenient was that? To empty himself and to become nothing and to become a servant even unto death. Philippians 2.5 tells us that process by which he who is equal with God thought it not robbery or to grasp at God but to empty himself and become a servant, to become a man and in fact even unto death. It was very inconvenient for God to do that but he did it. Why? To demonstrate his love for us But secondly, because there was no one or nothing that could satisfy the justice of God against my sin and your sin. And so sacrifice meant that God is the one who gave everything for us. He defined sacrifice for us. And it is death. And so... There's no sacrifice other than what Jesus did. Now that's huge to us to understand this. So that please get a right understanding. Don't ever think that you earn more brownie points with God because you did something marvelous and sacrificial. Right? We we think that God loves us more because this week I did extra special stuff for Him. He loves you to perfection right now. He loves you perfectly right now. Whether you have sinned or whether you've done righteousness, he loves you perfectly, not because of your ability or because of your devotion, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. Thank God for that. Amen? That's grace. That's a gift of God. Thank God. That's why we should. That every chance we get to worship, it should be just worship. Thank you, God, for what you did. Now the reason I do live a righteous life and the reason I choose to follow him instead of my own sin and my own ways is because of that sacrifice, I want to honor it with every choice I make. But it's never to get better favor from God because it's already all there based on what Christ did. Do you understand that? Because a lot of us walk around in condemnation and a lot of us think we're estranged from God because of our behavior and our activity. But God loves you. He demonstrated it 2,000 years ago. And He loves you. And despite whether you fall or whether you honor Him, He will love you and call out who you are in Him till you do get it right, till you begin to walk right. And He'll encourage you to walk in righteousness and, and you fall down and He'll, he'll get you up. Yeah thank, God. yeah, thank God. Can you imagine? None of you would be here if your parents threw you away because you failed right i mean could you imagine that with little kids kids two years old he fell down he can't walk get rid of him i want another one (laughs) stupid kid he spilled his milk that's three times this week get rid of him let's get another kid this one's broken so you think god looks at us differently we're all children who do we think we're fooling you know I walk around a lot of people who think they're all that, you know, in the spiritual realm, and they're big pastors with big names and all this. It's like, you're just a kid in God's eyes. Good for you. You did a good job. You're doing a great job. Good for you, but you're just a kid. Don't fool yourself, as we all are, right? So So it's his sacrifice that we rejoice in. But he does ask us for our whole lives. Because of that sacrifice, he says, I want all of you. It cost me everything. And I want a devotion from you that means you're all in. Amen? Not half-hearted, not partially, not a convenient sacrifice. Hey, it's hard to get up on Sunday morning. I've worked hard all week. God, I am really doing you a favor here. I, in fact, sang uh, two songs instead of, I couldn't make it to three. I didn't like the last one that well. It's too wordy for me. I mean, when you think about how we act, right? So, uh, but a sacrifice, what does he want? And so I want to share with you some, out of this verse, three sacrifices that we still need to bring. Christ brought the sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God. Since we've been justified, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1 says. So we've got peace with the Father because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He therefore calls you justified it's a legal decree by god the father this thing's been said over you you've been justified because of the cross of christ you've received him and now let's look at what kind of sacrifice we need to bring to god and then again let's understand what a sacrifice is so here's here's hebrews 13 15 and 16 through him who would be the him through jesus then see that that means this is already done through Jesus then, you get where I'm coming here? Right? Through the cross, through his sacrifice, that thing's established. That's what justifies you. That's the one and only sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God. It pleased God to crush him. It pleased God to have him uh, beaten and bruised on a cross, Isaiah 53:10 says. Through him then, let us continually... Oh, how often is that? I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, Let us offer continually up a what? Sacrifice of praise. praise. Okay, so this is a what? Sacrifice. So what kind of investment are we looking at? With a sacrifice. So what he's saying is because of what Jesus did, at your convenience and when you feel like it, offer God some praise. Am I reading this correctly? Is that the? Would that be the right? No, continually. But what about when I'm not feeling it? You know? I'm just not feeling it today. He hasn't really stirred me. It's gray outside. Don't you hate February? Where are we? We're in March. Don't you hate March in Michigan? Who can tell? It's too dark. You don't know. February, March, it's the same thing. It's gray. Gray. So I'm not feeling praise today amen continually offer offer continually offer sometimes we read scripture way too fast (laughs) continually offer a what sacrifice of praise so this means whether you feel like it or not it is a sacrifice it is all in do you know there were three main sacrifices daily that the Jews followed? The nine o'clock, right? The three o'clock of the evening sacrifices. And they offered them before the Lord. And, and they, they knew that they had to offer them before God to please God. Well, his sacrifice is, is an eternal sacrifice. Christ's blood is continual. So if his blood's continual, my rejoicing should be continual if His blood always cleanses sin, if He is always cleansing and forgiving, if He is ever living to make intercession, if He's always praying for me, always interceding for me, then my gratitude should be always offering thanks for what He's done. A sacrifice to praise. And I love this because Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, says this, he gives you a diagram of it. The fruit of your lips in case you didn't get it. Fruit of your lips. That's a, that's a cool saying, isn't it? Fruit is the byproduct of something, right? What's the fruit of an orange tree? Ah, you people are good. It is the glory of the tree. It's what its purpose is. It's what its identity is. So what would be the fruit of your lips? Right. But bring it down even simpler. What is the definition of a you said praise right so it's audible words fruit of our lips this is how we talk that's what's coming out yeah right am i right it begins in the heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks all right but how many of us now you're gonna get annoyed at this but i press this hard how many of us simply communicate and worship God by the fruit of our thoughts? Right? We do that, don't we? But I'm telling you, that's not enough. And that is not biblical enough. God wants a sacrifice which you have to perform sacrifices correctly to a holy God. And what is the prescription for a holy sacrifice of praise? Audible fruit of the lips audible praise to god that is what's acceptable so brothers and sisters we need to speak you speak when you give your opinion speak when you drive you speak when you're singing to songs you speak in the shower you speak to other people god says speak to me speak to me don't give me a passing thought there needs to be a sacrifice here That means it has to be executed. And the execution means you put thought into it, your heart is abundant, and you speak the sacrifice of praise. So that's a key sacrifice that we are to ever uh, release. Now, I find it interesting that the power of Pentecost and the release of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost had everything to do with what? Tongues, That's an old English word for languages, which is the fruit of the lips. Isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit came to fill man for the first time in world history, because our sin kept the Spirit out of us, couldn't indwell us, but now since we put faith in the blood of Jesus, cleanses us from sin, now the Spirit of holiness can dwell in us. When He came in us, the first sacrifice offered was what? Praise! Does this make sense to you? In the 20th century, the thing that set the church apart for all other ages is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It began at the Welsh revivals. It moved over into California, into the uh, Azusa Street revivals. It moved into Chicago. It moved into Kansas. It moved across the United States. It's now still on fire across the world. And what is the key component for this revival of the move of God? Praise! Praise! If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to such a fullness to where you begin to move past beyond your human speech and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, it begins with praise. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is a sacrifice that is inconvenient, but is necessary. But when you begin to understand its beauty and its power, it's no longer inconvenient. It's a joy to offer to God. Hallelujah. Amen? And we praise Him and we praise Him. How many of you have ever been in a situation where it is a little inconvenient, but the Spirit just demands praise? I mean, you can't help it. You're just walking through Myers, and all of a sudden you begin hallelujah and begin praising in tongues. I don't know why, because you're down the aisle where the Oreos are, but you just hallelujah. (laughs) How many of you have been in your car and just the glory begins to fill the car and you can't help it, but there's a sacrifice of praise, right? It's, it's, It's what's supposed to generate out of us. No one else can generate this kind of worship to God in gratitude. They can't. Angels cannot worship like we can. Because Jesus didn't die for the angels. The animals and all the creatures, they're really excited to praise God, but they're waiting for us, for the manifestation of the sons of God. They, all they get to do is groan. So they go, ooh, and all that kind of stuff. Because they're just groaning and making animal noises for the manifestation of the sons of God. There's only one people on earth that can worship God in spirit and in truth, and God's waiting for the sacrifice of praise. And that's the fruit of our lips, that what? Acknowledge his name. That's what it says on the day of Pentecost they did. It said that they went out and spoke in all the languages of of the people of that city and all the regions who came back to Jerusalem for the feast. All those different languages were represented there. And it says that all of them were ascribing glory to God and his wondrous works. Guess what is the greatest wondrous work that God ever did? So who do you think they were talking about? Jesus, come on. Now, that's one of them. So then he goes on and he says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So in this verse, he lists three sacrifices that are continually supposed to be pouring out of us. And remember, a sacrifice is not convenient. It's not based on whether you feel like it or not. He said, these things are perpetual. These things are to be generated by us continually since we are continually under the blessing of Christ's cross. All right, so we already talked about sacrifice of praise. The second thing we're not to neglect is doing what? Good. Give me some examples of doing good. What's doing good? Sharing? Sharing what? (laughs) I like it, David. Thank you. Sharing anything and everything. What else? Loving your neighbor. Good. Helping old people. Help someone across traffic. What else? Not getting rid of your two year old. Thank God for your. (laughs) I hear you. They do get better until they're 15. What else? Tithing. Hey, why not? Good job, doing good. What's what's so good about tithing? All right. What if you don't tithe? Does he curse you? Okay. Just want to check, see if we got our doctrine correct. Doing good though. Yes. So we can build the church and expand the kingdom. Right. What else is doing good? Showing grace. Say what else? Spreading the word. Encouraging people. Praying for others helping the sick, giving to the poor. This is really simple to figure out what's good. That which benefits another, right? What, what is, I thought we're not supposed to earn our points from God by doing good works. I, we don't go to heaven because of our good works, do we? So why should we do good works? Thankfulness, gratefulness, and it's a sacrifice he requires. Not to get you to heaven or not to earn any more of his love, but because you're so loved and because you're going to heaven and because you're identified and have Jesus shaped in you, you're being him. So this is a sacrifice. How many of you have found that doing good sometimes is a sacrifice? Because sometimes I really don't want to. Does anybody else? Right? I mean, it's inconvenient sometimes. Right? You're, you you want to go home, you're hungry, it's 5 o'clock, and on your way home someone's broke down on the side of the road. Wrestle with the, flesh. Wrestle with the flesh, yeah. Because the flesh always wants to satisfy self instead of being good to others. And some people just are nasty and you don't want to be good to them. Am I right? But that's when the sacrifice would kick in because we're doing it as unto the Lord. So all right, and then the third one is share what you have. Hmm. <laughs> share what you have. And so we see that modeled in our culture all the time, don't we? <laughs> Everybody's out for whatever they can get. Share what you have, share what you have. Freely you've been given, freely give. Now, if we can learn to do this, you're going to find you can't outgive God. That when you begin to give away things, God begins to give things to you. But he needs to find someone who will not clutch onto things too tightly, but in fact release them. And then there becomes a joy in giving. But it is a sacrifice. There are times when you know, you've, you've got uh, you know, your last five bucks and you're headed to go to lunch and, and someone needs it. And so you don't want to give out your last five bucks, but what's the sacrifice? give them the five bucks, right? Wouldn't it be good for you to fast by giving someone else five bucks? How many of you know, according to Isaiah 58, that is actually the true fast? That what you are fasting from is because you're giving it away. So, okay, so these are three key sacrifices that should continually be offered. We should continually be praising God, extolling his virtues, magnifying him verbally so people know it and hear it, doing good to them, right? Peter talks about us doing good, and Paul talks about doing good so people cannot speak ill against you, and then last of all, you share what you have. Could you imagine if we as Christians began to offer three, these three sacrifices daily, What if your morning sacrifice was to praise him, do good, and give something to somebody? And then your afternoon sacrifice. But wait, that's Old Testament. That's not according to the hour. Now it's just whosoever, whenever, however. Wouldn't that be an awesome testimony of the church? Wouldn't Christianity people be going like, man, you Christians, I want to hire you at my place of business. And I want you as my neighbor. They'd start putting signs out in their neighborhoods, Christians wanted here. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if that would be the preference of hiring preferences? Oh, wait a minute, I didn't see this. You're a Christian? You're hired. You're hired, why? Because he's a Christian. He'll be at work on time. He'll never over-abuse his, his uh, breaks. He'll do a good hard work. He'll stay over if he needs to, and he won't complain, and he won't speak behind my back. Wow. And that's a sacrifice. So what is it that we're supposed to sacrifice? Right below there, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Okay, let's reread it. Therefore, I urge you, Now, is that a suggestion? It's kind of compelling, isn't it? I'm urging you, I'm commanding you, I am really, you really got to get this. I urge you, therefore, in view of God's mercy. What's in view? What are we supposed to understand according to God's mercy? What's the view we're supposed to look at? Someone said it, I heard it. The cross. In view of God's mercy, there's nothing more merciful than the cross of Jesus Christ. In view of what Christ did, in view of his sacrifice, right? In view of his sacrifice, you offer your body. You know, Christian is elementary. You got a question or a statement, Mark? I'm getting there. You're ahead of me, brother good man. Okay? So it says this is your um he says wait, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Where are we? To offer your bodies in view of Christ offering his body, you offer your body. Christianity is really really simple. Jesus did it, you do it. Why do we complicate we make this so complicated. Right? If Jesus offered his life, what does he expect you to offer? Yeah, and nothing less. This is a sacrifice of your life. He says, you offer your best. In view of what Jesus offered, you offer it. And he put his spirit in you so that you would offer it. He could empower you to die to self because you have resurrection life in him. So you offer your lives, but here we go, offer your bodies. I think that's interesting. He qualifies it. He doesn't say offer your life. What's the difference between you offering your life or you offering your body? One's abstract, right? You offer your life. Well, I've devoted my life to the Lord. I I offer my life to him. I will live my life to him. That sounds so, you know, what does that mean? Well, my life is dedicated to God. I do what I want to do and I do everything and please myself. But my life is devoted to him. He says here offer your body. So your body is now a weapon or an instrument of righteousness, Romans 6. Don't offer your body or members of your body or parts of your body to wickedness any longer. Don't offer your body to alcohol anymore. Stop offering your body to cigarettes and nicotine and to drugs and to alcohol and addiction. Stop offering your body to illicit sexual activity. Stop offering your ears to the stuff on TV that's junk and garbage. Stop offering your mouth to put in the foolishness of the world that you would use your mouth. Don't let Satan use your mouth. Stop accusing the brethren. Stop slandering. Stop all this. But you use your body as a sacrifice. It's not convenient. You offer your body as a sacrifice. You lay your hand down when you have to lay it down. You put your feet into action where they're supposed to go for Jesus' sake. You lay your body. If it gets beaten, you put your body in harm's way. You save someone else before they get harmed because you're a sacrifice of God. Whoa. Amen? Amen. You with me? Are you sure? Because none of this is convenient to any of us. This is a sacrifice. And if we're going to view God's mercy, if we have any picture, how many of you wear little crosses? How many of you have little pictures of Jesus? How many of you have some sort of thing that reminds you of Jesus, but you're not living like him? Take it off. This is radical stuff. And we've got to get back to this. We've got to get back to what it means to sacrifice. Because could I be honest with you? I don't think any of us are. And I'll start with me. I, I, you didn't have to do that too quick, Dave. <laughs> it's been around me too long. <laughs> Come on. This world needs some real Christianity because it's got shortchanged. The gospel has gotten cheapened because there's no sacrifice in us, right? I I don't know how many people, yeah, I want to do something for the Lord. All right, I need you here on Thursday. Yeah, I can't make it. (laughs) really can't do it. Holy Spirit uh, speaks to you. Go minister to that guy over there in the corner at work. You know he's, he's in the middle of a divorce. He's distraught. Look at he hasn't slept in three nights. Go talk to him. Yeah, you sure I gotta pray if God really wants me to talk to him. Right? How many of you do I'm gonna put a fleece out? So if I get money back on my taxes, then I'm gonna go talk to the guy, because that's my fleece. I mean, really, you know what I mean? I mean I'm just being silly, but so let's move on here. Let's look at what the quality of these sacrifices are. And, and that's why this is not being preached too much in a lot of churches and it's not very popular on TV evangelism because nobody's going to tune in and go, oh, I've got to give more, except if they want a bigger blessing. Then they'll give another 1,000 and then so they'll get 10,000 back according to Scripture. It's like, that's stupid. Um, but as our brother Mark said, the end of that Romans verse is that we offer ourselves as living sacrifice. This is our, and depending on your translation, uh, most translations say this, that this is a spiritual act. Isn't this interesting? This is your spiritual act of worship. And the King James, like you said, this is your reasonable service. It's reasonable in light of the cross of Christ, Right? Fixing on God's mercy, the reasonable response is you offer your body too. The spiritual act of worship, either translation is good. So look at what your spiritual, spiritual act of worship is that you physically give God your life and your body. But he's not asking you to kill yourself. He's asking you to be a sacrifice living So that means every day you sacrifice and die. I need you to die for me every day, because you're going to live, but you're going to die. What does that mean? It means his will, not yours. And this is a spiritual act of worship. Look at that verse we looked at before. "This is spiritual. Oh, won't go back. Oh, Flip me back. Will you? I'm on the, I'm on the announcements now. I'm lost in slide heaven somewhere in the atmosphere. Thank you. Here's the spiritual act of worship. Speaking praise, doing good, and sharing what you have. How spiritual is that? Right? Now, there is spiritual acts. There's spiritual warfare. There's spiritual prayer. You know, there's praying for others. There's spiritual activity, but also... We're supposed to give our bodies physically in spiritual acts of worship, of of praising Him with our mouth and doing good and sharing what we have. That's a spiritual act of worship. And we're to be living sacrifices. It's reasonable in light of what Christ did. I'm sorry I'm speaking too long, but let's keep going because this is a word I feel very strong about. All right, let's look at our outline here. Let's look at some of the qualities of our heart when we do these things number one psalm 51 how many of you know when this psalm was written Dave, david wrote this psalm does anybody know when he wrote it you got that right on. after he committed adultery with bathsheba she had the child and the child died he's lamenting his sin and he's recognizing that he has sinned against god and he says this in Psalm 51, verse 16, 70. For you do not delight in sacrifice. Oh, man, he ruined my whole sermon. I thought he just said <laughs> No, wait a minute. Go on. You do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. There is a sacrifice that all sacrifice is pointed to. But he says this. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices are, of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you'll not despise those things. So David, the heart of a worshiper, David had the perspective on God that went deeper than most Old Testament saints. Because while they're all trying to keep the letter of the law offering burnt offerings and offering bulls and offering lambs and everything, he understood it's not the stinking animal that's burning on the altar. It's what's happening inside the person who laid their hands on that animal, sending their sin into the carcass of that animal, and it receiving the judgment of God on it. It had everything to do with what you, your attitude at that sacrifice. We've got a lot of religious people that do religious good works But if they don't have a contrite heart and a broken heart over God and a contrite spirit, knowing that the only way that could appease their sin and justify their sinfulness is Jesus Christ, not because they brought food to the poor or something to the sick, which is essential to us to do, but it is not the heart issue. The heart issue is, as freely as God's given me mercy, I give you mercy, and I'm no better than anybody else here. So sacrifice requires a heart fully examining your condition. That's why it's perpetual. That's why we're always praising him. We're always praising him. We go on. The next one is, how about this time and preparation? Listen to this. This is interesting offering the first fruits to God and offering the fruit trees. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, then you shall regard its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. And in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat of its fruit to increase its yield for you. I'm the Lord your God. Even this fruit that's growing in this ground for Israel, see, the ground was sacred. holy. Israel was sacred ground. And the tithes and the offering that Israel was giving to God was payment for living on that ground. See, when they were cast out into Babylon, they didn't offer tithes and offerings. They didn't have a temple. And they didn't uh, uh, offer... Uh, their, their crops and the first fruits and in the seven years uh, they'd give it to the Lord because they weren't in the land. It's a fascinating thing, this whole concept of the land and living off the land. But as they're in the promised land and they're in the land God had given them, that they're growing fruit trees and they say, you can't eat it for three years. It's a sacrifice. This is a holy, this is a holy thing. And how many of us consider the things of God that God's done for us as Holy. That we would respect it. That we would respect gathering together as an assembly. We would respect the word of God, this Bible. We would respect the holy things of God, the bread and the wine, the communion. We would respect these things. He says you can't partake of them for three years. And then in the fourth year, whatever's yielded, you give it to me. When do I get to eat this thing? When do I get the benefit? He said, first of all, you do everything in order with honor and respect and sanctification. You separate this stuff out and you give it to me first. Then you can receive it. That's a sacrifice of time, isn't it? That's a sacrifice of effort. We want everything instantaneously. Some of you have been praying for things you don't get it this week, you're done praying done with it how about you pray for it and maybe the return isn't for you maybe you have to wait till God's done doing whatever he's going to do with it then it can eventually be yours we don't think like that we think again God's got to give everything to us we sacrifice our time for everything to be done in God's timing and in God's will amen So maybe you got looked over when they asked for a new director of this or for that. So you pray for them because you're still ripening on the vine. Maybe you weren't picked yet, but give it three or four years. Right? Sacrifice, time and preparation, third cost. How about this? Let's see. David said this. Uh, David had a problem with sinning. This is another issue that David had. He, he numbered the people, and uh, it created a problem. And so God told him to go and offer a sacrifice at the threshing floor. He went, and, and the guy who owned the threshing floor in the field saw King David's here. Whoa, King's here. He needs some land? King, it's yours, man. And I love what David said. He said this, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. He said, no, this this is a sacrifice. It's supposed to cost you everything. That's why he would say when they offered the sacrifice of the lamb, don't give me no stinking lamb that's got lame legs and broken and it's bruised and you're not going to eat it because it's foul. I want the best. I want the best your flock can offer given to me. And 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 David said, "I'm not going to offer something to God. Don't. Let's not give God a half-hearted worship." Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's four lights on each one of these chandeliers. Hallelujah. Someone had garlic tonight for dinner hallelujah you know what i mean where's the where's the contrite heart where's the brokenness where's the this or that or even at at, at work you know or whatever we're doing man it's got to cost us and again this is the sacrifice this is not modern christianity this is not convenient you know we're shortening down our worship services we're shortening down the word that's being spoken Need to get in and out, you know a couple there are some churches whose slogans are we 'll get you out before the game starts. You know, so I mean i, I don 't know, I guess there 's value in that I, I, I If you got money on the game i don 't know you know there's different reasons people gather, but all i all I know is this: in this house, I want to produce a sacrifice that 's been yielded unto God over the years on a vine that is finally valuable enough to offer to God. And it cost you everything. And it cost me everything. Some of you understand what I'm talking about because you've been to hell and back and coming to Jesus cost you everything. You lost your family, you lost your car, you lost your money, but you're here to serve God. And you know what it means to serve God. It cost you everything. Some of you, it cost you relationships, but you're going to serve God. that's a sacrifice and i close with this it's your possessions exodus 13 1 and 2 sanctify to me all the firstborn all the firstborn whatever opens the womb among the children of israel both man and animal it's mine it's the firstborn it's your, it, it, it's your hope, it's your future. you got to understand the culture back then. When you had a kid, you didn't know if this kid was going to survive. And that kid is your social security. There's no government aid. This kid, you hope to have a kid. And in fact, if your kid died or your husband died and you couldn't have a kid, you, you would ask the, the brother of your husband that died to give you a child because that's all you have For old age and getting you survival. But God said, Your firstborn, your hope of life, your hope of comfort, your hope of, of everything, it's mine. First, I'm first. Your first animal that you produced, here it is the cow. You finally got a good cow. Here it is. It's mine. You give it to me first. Everything you own belongs to me first. That tide, that 10%, whatever you get in your paycheck, whatever you give, it's mine. If you would set your economy up to God first, then everything else will make sense. It'll honor God. And it's not convenient when the bills come, and it's not convenient any other time, but it's a sacrifice. And so, none of this This rides in the face of what's popular right now. But this is true Christianity. And I'll tell you, there's only one place to look to get the strength to do that. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. God is not asking anything less than what he himself gave. He gave us everything. His first fruit, his everything. He gave us everything. How could we do less then sacrifice for our God because he's a God who sacrificed everything for us. Stand with me and let's worship God. Jesus, Jesus. I'm asking you tonight to come to this altar. We have a lot of altar calls here, and the reason why is this an altar is where you do what? Offer a sacrifice. And I'm telling you, there's something between the distance of your chair and this altar. The reason is because it's inconvenient for you to get out of that chair and come kneel down here. But it's an act of faith. And I'm asking you tonight, while we're worshiping, we've got 15 more minutes, let's worship. I'm asking you to lay your life down and offer to God a sacrifice. Whether praise or something good. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.